remember this song. Yes, 1946. Little Brown Church. Thank you, Abe and George, for blessing us with the selections of songs that help us focus our thoughts on worshiping the Lord this morning. We are thankful for not only gifted um, hymn and songwriters, but also for those who are able to play. Some time ago, Andre Crouch wrote a song entitled, Bless the Lord, O My Soul, familiar to many of us. The lyrics are very simple yet profound. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He has done great things. He has done great things. He has done great things. Bless his holy name. I trust that you will not only focus your thoughts this morning on the great things that God has done, but also on how great, majestic, and awesome is our Lord. He alone deserves our praise. He alone deserves our worship. We warmly welcome everyone who has come to worship with us this morning. 
to both those visiting and regular attendees, we pray that you will be encouraged as you listen to the songs that are sung, as you listen to the message that is given, as you participate in communion, and that your heart will rise in praise and adoration towards the Lord. As the fall begins, this season has its beauties, and it will get more beautiful as the time goes on. The leaves are starting to turn color, and the grain is ripening. It reminds us of the spiritual harvest that is also taking place, and it cannot be complete without workers. The Lord need workers, and in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, it says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Let's pray faithfully for relatives, friends, acquaintances, and those that God brings across our path who have not yet made a decision for Christ. Let's pray for workers, and the Lord has also called us to be his workers. But we are not enough. We need to pray for others that the Lord will also send them. This morning, we celebrate communion. Let us focus on Isaiah chapter 1, verses, or chapter 55, verses 1 through 2, and then moving on to 611. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 2, and then verses 6 through 11. Come, all you who, who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, Come, buy, and eat. Come, and buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Then dropping down to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord." As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are the ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and the bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire 
and achieve the purpose for which I send it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence today, we pray that you would be at the center of our thoughts, and we pray that our hearts would worship you in trueness. And we ask, Lord, that you'd go before us, not only this day, but into the week that will come, and that you will give us the strength to be your workers in the field. Help us to realize that you are all-powerful and that you pass that power on to us as we do your bidding. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We ask that you stand with us and we'll start with praising God. Praise him, praise him, number 530. continue with nothing but the blood.
Amen. You can have a seat. And for this next song, we'll ask that you check the, uh, the screen. That's what it is. <laughs> and instead of the, the bulletin, there's some errors in the bulletin. So let's use the words on the screen. Thank you, ladies, for leading us in that time of worship and praise. Take your bulletins with me and turn with me to page number two. Next Sunday, 
9.30 a.m., we will be having Don and Char with us, and they will be sharing, and that will be followed by a potluck lunch. You will not want to miss this. This is a time of celebration, a time of fellowship, also a time of listening that, um, uh, to Don and Char as they will be taking the whole service next Sunday. Of course, they're our missionary of the week. Remember them in prayer. Then, of course, um, going down a little bit further, life in the church. Um, uh, Wednesday, Bible study. Uh, Pastor Victor will lead the Bible study on Revelation. Once again, it starts at 2 p.m., and it will be starting September the 28th. Put that on your calendars. Men and ladies, special Sunday school classes will start Sunday, October the 2nd. And so we encourage you to come out to those times and learn more about the word. And then um, education committee, the education committee is working at starting a Sunday school program in the fall. They would appreciate your prayers and support for this to happen. So read through the announcements and um, be praying at the same time. They, these can be prayer requests that are put before us as a congregation and we need to hold these up in prayer. Then coming to a home near you, that's of course discovery groups, which are really the Bible studies. This is a place where people can study the word, they can care, share, and invite one friends. And more information is to come. And then of course, there's baptism and membership classes that we would like to have, and also transferring. Perhaps you're here and you would like to transfer um, your membership over to our church, who you are always welcome. And we encourage you to be in prayer about this also. There's refugee sponsorship program. The mission committee is looking for volunteers to assist with the sponsorship of Safari Mahazan, can't even say his new name, Mahanzuzi and his family. And we are still working through the application process. So be in prayer in regards to this. If you look down a little bit farther on your bulletin, church, Family, praise and concerns, persons with health needs. Um, of course, Tina Suderman and Marge Thiessen are in the hospital here at Boundary Trails. And then in Carmen, we have Menno and Nettie Jansen. And then in Rock Lake, Persons Care Home and Weens. And then also one special prayer request that is not listed in your um, uh, bulletins on October 4th Gordon Peters is going to have surgery and they have requested the prayers of the church so please be in prayer on October the 4th mark that down and be praying for him as he goes into surgery also if you would just turn to serving God and serving God's people as deacons that's our bulletin insert and deacon nomination process. And just turn to the third page of that. That is the cream-colored sheet that you have in your bulletin. And as I said, turn to page number three. Our deacons fulfill an important role as part of the ministerial. They are responsible for spiritual direction and ministry of our church. They minister to physical, emotional, and spiritual needs within the congregation in a variety of ways, using the gifts which God has given them. Now, who may nominate? 
Very simple, active members of the Winkler um, Burktaller Church may do the nominations. Who may be nominated? Well, uh, an active member of the church. How many may be nominated? Well, each person, if you will see on this sheet, has received one. If you're a member, as what was said already, and there are six that you can nominate, each person can nominate. If you're a husband and wife, that means husband and wife each get one of these and they can nominate. And if you're a single person, then you have one. And we would ask you to especially pray f regularly for the election process and pray for discernment as you are nominating. And then, of course, just turning back to what is the process. The process is simply this. It has already started on 7, September 11th. Deacon's elections were announced. On September the 25th, nomination Sunday, those unable to uh, attend the September 25th worship service may bring their ballot to the church office or put them in the suggestion box prior to noon, October the 2nd. The suggestion box is located outside in the foyer next to the mailboxes. Two weeks before November membership meeting, candidates will be, will be announced in the bulletin. Deacon election at the quarterly November member meeting will take place. And then a two-thirds majority is required to be elected as a deacon. And those elected will begin their term on January 3rd, 2023. We are presently need of four deacons, but if there are more, we will surely welcome them. And so we encourage you to be praying about this. And now, just simply looking at the bottom of that list there, it says deacon presently serving. Of course, um, uh, they're presently serving Jake uh, Fraze, Bill Siemens, and then the, uh, Jake's um, term and bills, they expire here in 222 at the end of this year, they expire. And then we have George Elias and Dennis Dirksen. And um, George, his term doesn't expire to 223, so you don't have to vote for him. He's still on for this coming year. And then Dennis Dirksen, you do not have to vote for him because he is on for still the next two years to come. So you don't have to nominate those two individuals. As I said already, be in prayer in regards to the Lord putting their hand on people and asking them to come and serve as deacons. At this time, I'm going to call uh, the ushers forward for our morning tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we pause before you to give you praise and worship. And Lord, we know that you answer prayers. We have so many prayer requests before you because we cannot live without you. And without you, we can do nothing. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we give you thanks for your many blessings that have poured forth through this church. We thank you for Don and Char, uh, that our church supports them. We ask, Lord, that you would have your hand upon them, especially this coming um, week. Lord, as they will be sharing with us about what they, how you are working in their lives and where they are going. So we ask, Lord, that as they will come next week, that your hand would go before them. And then I pray, Father, as we gather for a fellowship time amongst, uh, around food, 
that you would bless our time together and that we would be encouraged as a congregation as we share with one another and as we look towards you for our strength. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the many ministries that are in this church. We think of our Wednesday night Bible studies that will, or pardon me, the Wednesday Bible studies that will be beginning as well as the Sunday school classes. And then in regards to the discovery groups, we ask Lord that your hand would be upon all of these different activities. And these are to encourage one, of, uh, one another to build us up in the word and Lord to be praying for one another. We pray Father that you would just go before us in these different avenues. We pray for the education committee, especially as they look for more volunteers who will teach Sunday school and also for children who will be coming. We ask, Lord, once again, that your hand would be upon all that is done. We pray that you would give the committee wisdom and guidance as they go down this road. Once again, Lord, we thank you for your many other blessings. We think of the baptism and membership classes and also others who would be transferring. We pray, Father, if there are anybody who would be interested in these avenues, that they would contact either myself or the, uh, the, the church office. We ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct in, the, in those avenues. Heavenly Father, there are always sick among us, and it doesn't seem um, that we will ever part from that. We know that we live in a fallen world, and we suffer because of that. And yet, Lord, we know that your hand is near to the brokenhearted. Your hand is near to those who are suffering physically. We pray for Tina Sudeman and Marge Thiessen as they are in the hospital here. We ask, Lord, that you would minister to them, that this morning they would feel your presence as they draw near to you. We pray that you would send many people over to them who would encourage them and build them up. We think of Menno and Eddie as they are in the hospital in Carmen. We ask that your hand would be upon them. Menno has served many years here along with Nettie. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them in a special way. I know that they are ready to go home and meet you, and yet you still have a purpose for them because they are still here. We ask, Lord, that you would go before them, comfort, strengthen, guide, and direct them. We pray for Anne Weens as she is in the care home at Rock Lake. We ask, Lord, that you would minister to her uh, also, and give her strength as she spends those days over there. And then, Lord, we pray that there would be an opening here in Salem, and when it comes, that she would be able to, to move there. Heavenly Father, we bring before you Gordon Peters. We ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon him. And Lord, especially as he prepares for surgery and also as the surgeon um, uh, will be operating, we ask that your hand would be upon that surgeon, that you'd guide his hand and the rest of the team, that they would minister your healing. And thank you, Lord, for the hospitals. Thank you for the doctors and the nurses and the people you have provided. We are indeed a blessed people. And Lord, we thank you also for the Wally Neufeld family. And we ask, Lord, that you'd have your hand upon him and Alma, uh, or upon Alma. Uh, Lord, as Wally has gone to be with you, we pray that you would strengthen uh, the whole family. Lord, it's been a rough go for them, but yet we know that with your strength, they will thrive because you are their Lord and guide. Heavenly Father, as we look 
um, in regards to the deacons and nominating them. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would place upon those hearts who you want to be deacons, that they would say yes when they are nominated. We pray, Father, that people would bring this before you. They would be praying about before they nominate. And Lord, we pray that you're, once again, you would be honored and glorified within the church. And Lord, you have called deacons to minister. And so we pray, Father, open the door so that new individuals will be able to walk along and serve you in this dynamic way. Heavenly Father, then as we go into communion, we pray, Father, that your hand would be upon each person. And Lord, as we worship you through this act, we pray, Lord, that you would place upon our hearts worship and praise for you and thankfulness for the sacrifice you made on our behalf. I pray, Father, you'd go with us into the rest of the service. May we bring honor and glory to your name in the things we do and say and the acts that are performed. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
of our scripture passage this morning is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8. I am reading from the New King James Bible Version, chapter 8. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty of the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary, and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if we were on earth, he, were not, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. And he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. <clears throat> In that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. May God bless the reading of his holy word to your heart. It is an awesome and fearful thing to rightly divide the word of God. And that's my job again. <clears throat> Today we are celebrating communion at the Lord's table. We do this because Jesus, at the Last Supper, when he was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, inaugurated a new covenant in place of the old. This new covenant is remembered and affirmed by the ritual of the Lord's Supper, which we do according to the Lord's instruction with the bread and the cup. The purpose of this ritual is to remember Jesus, his life, his sacrifice, and the work he did on the cross to secure the salvation of those who believe 
and to defeat death and the powers of darkness. God said of his son, I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. This morning, I want to focus our attention on covenant. What does it mean that God would make his son a covenant for the people? What is the meaning of the new covenant in Jesus' blood? To explore these things, we'll begin in Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abram, who was later called Abraham. It was a covenant like other covenants with God, in the sense that they are not negotiated. God spells out the terms of the covenant, and those whom God has called into that covenant are obliged to live by it. In the case of the covenant with Abram, however, it was a covenant that was entirely dependent on God. In Genesis 15, verse 7, God said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. No stipulations were put on Abram. Abram asked how he would know that he was to possess the land. To give assurance to his words, God entered into covenant ritual with Abram, one not uncommon in the ancient Near East. God told Abram to bring a three-year-old heifer, three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove and a pigeon. And except for the birds, Abram cut these animals in half, and then he laid the the two halves opposite each other, which creates a path between them. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and God told Abram the future, that uh, what the future held for him and his offspring. And at verse 17, it says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, meaning the pieces of the animals that had been sacrificed. So what is the meaning of this ritual? What do the smoking firepot and the flaming torch represent? Fire and smoke are symbols used in portraying God's judgment. Psalm 62, sorry, 68, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 65 are all passages that make use of this imagery. But fire and smoke also symbolize God's presence. Uh, Psalm 18, Isaiah 4, Isaiah 30 all use that imagery. And if we turn to Exodus chapter 19 at verse 18, we read this. Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. So their smoke and fire represent God's presence. 
Since the occasion of the covenant with Abram is not about judgment, and since the covenant ritual is being observed by Abram, we could conclude, I think, that the smoking fire pot and the flaming torch represent God. There's also a passage in Jeremiah that points to this kind of ritual. In Jeremiah 34:18, God is condemning the false righteousness of the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And it reads like this. And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. So the terms of the covenant seem to be that if a man does not uphold his part of the covenant, that he become like the animal that was sacrificed for the ritual, cut in two and his blood trampled. <clears throat> That's the imagery there. So if that is the imagery of God's covenant with Abram, then that covenant is God's solemn promise. The smoking pot and the fire, a flaming torch passing between the pieces of the sacrificed animals is God passing between those pieces, indicating that if he does not hold up the terms of the covenant, that he may be like the animals sacrificed. In other words, God's promise is trustworthy and it will come to pass. Typically, both parties of the covenant would pass between the pieces uh, if it was between people. But in this case, God did not require it of Abram, only of himself. So the promise of offspring, the promise of land in which to dwell, is the unwavering promise of God to Abram. <clears throat> 430 years later, at Mount Sinai, after the children of Israel had just been delivered out of Egypt, another covenant was made. This time, God made a covenant not with one man, but with the nation, the nation of Israel. And having crossed the Red Sea, Israel eventually came into the wilderness of Sinai and encamped before the mountain. And the Lord called to Moses out of the mountain and said, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel." Notice that this covenant is different than the one with Abram, because it puts responsibility on both parties, not just one. God is not the only one whose faithfulness is required to make this covenant work. Israel too must demonstrate faithfulness by being obedient to the terms of the covenant. And there is a condition put on Israel's behavior that, if ignored, releases God from his responsibility. I'll read that line again. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, 
You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. So, if not, then God is off the hook. Now, that might not seem too serious at first glance, because then Israel would be no worse off than any other nation, right? Wrong. The covenant between God and Israel came with blessings and curses. They were part of the terms of the covenant. Blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. You can find them in two places, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. <clears throat> I will use Leviticus 26. At verse three of that chapter, God says, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. And then God goes on for 11 verses, heaping blessing upon blessing on Israel for their obedience. It's a very encouraging read. But, he says in verse 14, if you will not listen to me and will not do these commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic. That's how it starts, and it gets worse from there. For 26 verses, God goes on, about the curses that will befall Israel if they disobey. Well, guess what? The covenant failed. It could not do what it promised to do. And why is that? The prophet Jeremiah, who witnessed the downfall of the southern kingdom to Nebuchadnezzar, recorded these words in Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, and not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them up out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. The covenant did not fail because of God. He was the faithful one. The covenant failed because Israel did not do her part. She was unfaithful to the covenant. Therefore, according to the terms of the covenant, only curses were left for her. And that is why Israel fell, both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Well, hold on, you might say. Didn't Israel have a ceremonial law that would deal with their sins? Well, yes, they did but it did not remove the sin. Listen to Hebrews 10, three and four. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So Israel's sin was not removed and the covenant was broken. So, the covenant failed. Couldn't it be restored? Couldn't God give Israel a second chance? <clears throat> well, not with the Sinai covenant. And this is where today's scripture reading comes in. Let me read part of it again. I'll start at verse, partway through verse five. 
Excuse me. Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them up out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. The covenant with Israel failed because it depended on Israel not sinning. Therefore, it is broken and unusable. So God introduced the idea of a new covenant to replace the old. And the old covenant refers to the covenant with Israel, not the covenant with Abram. So what is this new covenant? As we said before, this new covenant was inaugurated by Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples. Jesus said to his disciples, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This is my cup. Sorry, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This covenant is more like the covenant with Abram than the covenant with Israel. The blood of the animals that were cut in two was the blood of the covenant with Abram. And God passed between the pieces as his utmost assurance that he would uphold his part of the covenant. And he did. With the new covenant, Jesus does not pass between the pieces of the sacrifice. Jesus himself is the sacrifice that is cut. And his blood is the blood of the covenant. Jesus entered this covenant when he submitted himself to the cross. In one sense, we could say that like the Abraham covenant, or Abram covenant, no person is required to pass between the pieces of the sacrifice because nothing is required of us. It all depends on Jesus. On the other hand, those who believe 
actually do pass through the body and blood of the Lord. The new covenant is made with those who believe God. We enter it when we become baptized. Paul wrote in Romans 6 verses 3 and 4, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Those who believe and are baptized enter into this covenant, passing through the blood and body of the Lord. That would suggest that the new covenant requires something of both parties if we both pass through. Of Jesus, it requires the removal of sin. And for those who would enter it with him, it requires faith, believing God and believing in his Son. So how is the new covenant better? The new covenant is better than the old because in the new, sin is no longer remembered. Sin is what caused the old covenant with Israel to fail. Sin is not remembered in the new covenant and therefore sin cannot break the covenant. It is removed by the blood of Jesus. It is the death of Jesus that pays the, penalty, the sin penalty and removes the record of sin. And the blessing that follows for our obedience in believing is eternal life. The curse for unbelief is judgment and eternal separation from God. Those are the terms of the covenant. Praise God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life as the means by which the new covenant is made sure. It cannot fail for those who believe God and place their trust in Jesus. For those who enter the new covenant, it is immediately fulfilled. Hallelujah. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Psalm 32, verse 1. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Acts 16, 31. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. John 5.24 So now, as the Lord has instructed us, let us come to the table as participants of the new covenant and remember the body broken for us and the blood shed for us. For those who believe the covenant is already fulfilled, our sin is forgiven and we have eternal life. Let's remember and celebrate. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Father in heaven, we thank you that you have explained things to us in your word and through the covenants have showed us the value of this covenant, the new covenant, the one in Jesus' blood, the one that does not remember our sin but washes it away, the covenant that does, uh, 
that grants to us eternal life for obedience in believing. And so, Father, we want to celebrate this covenant as we remember Jesus. Would you bless us as we come to the table in your name? Amen. Let's sing together. Uh, on the last page of your bulletin, you'll find Fill My Cup, Lord. Please stand with us. receive this benediction or this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.